Uh, we're going to continue with last week's message. Of course, we're going to focus in on Christmas uh, today, but we're going to begin with Romans chapter 4 and uh, verse 17. Romans chapter 4, verse 17, and then I'll, I'll pray and then we'll begin. Heavenly Father, uh, we come to you today in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the life of your son who set us free from all the power of the devil, all the power of the world, and brought us into your family. We thank you. We ask today as we uh, study your word and hear from your word, Father, that you'll help each of us to be listening and to have ears that hear what your spirit has to say to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Romans chapter 14, verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. And so last week we talked about, uh, you, know, you know, if you look at the context there in Romans chapter 14, the word tells us that, uh, you know, they're kind of concerned about, well, are you supposed to eat this meat that was sacrificed to idols. You're not supposed to eat this meat. And, you know, are you supposed to eat meat at all? What are you supposed to do? And um, that Paul's saying, you know, our main um, law as a believer is the law of love. And he said, you may have the liberty to eat whatever you want. And that may be to you uh, the right thing to do. But to the one that it's not the right thing to do, that they don't want to uh, eat any meat, they feel like they're, if, he said, if you're doing it to the Lord, then they're doing it to the Lord. So the kingdom, so this is the context of this. So the kingdom of uh, heaven is not meat and drink. It's not about all these rules and regulations. You can eat this, you can't eat that. It's not even about your greatest like revelation that you have from God. But it is what? Righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And last week, we started with the first one, righteousness. That was the intent that we could be on peace today. <laughs> so just to review, righteousness, you know, I, when I grew up, I grew up in the church. I was very blessed to grow up in church and, uh, you know, received the Lord Jesus Christ at a, at a young age, and my heart changed. And um, when I grew up, though, I grew up thinking that righteousness was something that you earned or something that when you're, when you're good enough and you don't make mistakes and you do whatever God says all the time, then, well, even then I didn't think you could be righteous. I thought then you might get close, but when you get to heaven, you're for sure righteous because, you know, I know if you're not righteous, you couldn't get into heaven. Even I knew that in the church I was growing up in. But that's not what the word of God actually teaches the Word of God teaches in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through 21. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Let's, let's turn over there real quick. If you're wondering how is he going to get the whole message in in that amount of time, he's wondering the same thing. <laughs> but he's looking to the Spirit of God because the Lord knows. He, 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 he'll do a quick work. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, remember when we looked on the series in Christ at the beginning of the year last year, if any man be united to Christ, uh, he is a new creature. 
Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You know, if you don't live your life in light of that scripture, well, then you'll have the same, uh, your flesh may desire the same things that you actually despise. And Paul said in Romans chapter 7, you know, the things that I want to do, I'm not doing those things. But the things that I don't want to do, I keep finding myself doing those things. Oh, wretched man that I am. In other words, what you're experiencing is not unique to you. It is a human condition. But Jesus himself came and he lived as a human. And yet he conquered all of those temptations, all of those tests, all of those trials, and he came out pure and holy and actually tested, tried, and true. In the beginning was the Word, John chapter 1, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Psalm 119 says, I have, your Word is, has been um, tested and found to be pure. And if you study that, it's actually the same way that if you found, and I pray you would, a lump of gold in the earth, and you took it, what do you want to know? I want to know like how much of, I want to get rid of all the stuff that's not actually gold, because I want to know like what is this actually worth? Well, the Psalm 119 says that the word of God was tested and tried like that, and no impurities came out of it. Actually, it says that there is no end to the perfection of the word of God. That you could go as far to the east as you could go, as far to the west as you could go, as far to the north or the south, and you would not come to the end of the perfection of the word of God. Uh, my favorite verse in Psalms is Psalm 119, verse 128, which says, I esteem your word above all else to be true, and I hate every false way. Well, what does that mean? How do you put those together? Well, what that means is just because I don't understand it or you don't understand it doesn't make it any less true. Doesn't make it any less reality. But I cannot understand the word of God without the help of the author of the word. And that is the spirit of God. Holy men of old wrote as they were moved by the spirit of God. So the spirit of God wrote this book. And so if you're going to try to read this without him helping you to have light or understanding concerning it, well, it would just be like maybe an amazing history storybook. I mean, the stories in the Word of God are absolutely amazing. Hollywood really doesn't have anything on them. You can find things that you don't want to read to your children. <laughs> Melody, when we were on staff at Rama Bible School in Tulsa, Oklahoma, they had a, we would do, as part of the staff, you had, everybody has a one-year Bible. And so for the first 15 minutes of every day, uh, every department, every person, you read the Word together, the one-year Bible. And so as teams would typically go, you take turns, who's going to read what? Well, Melody, uh, Melody was in the maintenance department with a bunch of uh, men. And so she ended up having to read some... Uh, uh, embarrassing scriptures because it fell on that day. And so in the word of God, you can find uh, almost any situation. And I'm like, well, the word's good for everything. So I'll, I'll read to my kids and, uh, you know, Proverbs, we have them do the proverb of the day, you know, because you can read Proverbs, the wisdom scriptures, and you just, 
you know, Proverbs 1 on the first, Proverbs 2 on the second, Proverbs 3 on the third. It's really simple. And, um, <laughs> but I got the kids listening to it, and then they'll, they'll, they're getting older now, so they'll start to ask some questions like, what does this mean? Well, we'll talk about that a little later. <laughs> we don't have time for that discussion this morning. And so it's amazing. Uh, but the Word of God will affect and address every area of our lives. Actually, Jesus was touched with the feelings of our infirmities, yet without sin. What does that mean? Infirmity is the inability to produce results. Have you ever been up against something that you didn't know what to do? You don't know how to do it? Well, Jesus actually was touched, and he had compassion on you and me, because why? He knows what it feels like that's not a word sometimes you use a lot in church. Feels like. He knows what it feels like to have those challenges. Yet, he was without sin. All right. So if any man is united to Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. In other words, he counted up everything like, you, like at the end of the year, you got to do all of the taxes and everything that you're doing, all of your accounting. He counted it up in that great of detail and said, you have been made right with me. <laughs> and he's given unto us the ministry of reconciliation to wit that God was personally present in Christ reconciling the world to himself and not imputing their trespasses or their sins to them and has committed to us the ministry of reconciliation. So God's counting all this stuff up and he says, you know what? Oh yeah, I'm not counting that against you. I'm not counting that against you. I'm not counting that against you. Actually, when he looks at you, when you receive the Lord Jesus Christ, he doesn't look at you and treat you and interact with you as if you have ever sinned or ever messed up. Because why? Well, if any man is united to Christ, then the same life that flows in Christ flows in that man, that person. Man, woman, young, old. If you are united to Christ, Jesus even said this in John chapter 10, verse 10. He said, the thief has only come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Well, you ought to take the challenges that are coming against you and the experiences that you're having in life and measure them against that scripture and say, is this to kill, to steal, or to destroy? Why? Because the devil himself, the word tells us, dresses up, makes himself look like an angel of light. Mm -hmm. yeah. Because why? If, if he didn't dress himself up, there's nobody that would accept what he's trying to do. There's nobody that would be like, oh, that's, that's amazing wisdom. <laughs> you know, James tells us that the, the wisdom of the world is sensual and devilish. But the wisdom that's from God is first of all pure. Easy to be entreated without hypocrisy. Woo! I mean, that's some good wisdom. So, God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. In other words, what Christ was doing, 
he was doing for all of mankind. And God was in Christ bringing the world to favor with himself. Do you remember when the Israelites were out in the desert and God spoke to them and they're like, it sounds like thunder. And they got scared and they said, we don't want to hear that voice anymore. Just talk to Moses. Like you talk to him. You're scaring us. Well, God wanted to come where we could actually handle him. That which we have seen and heard and handled of the word of God, the disciples said, this is what we're telling you about. Well, actually, I think one translation says the word of life. The word of zoe. Jesus said, I have come that you might have zoe, which is life or the life of God and the nature of God and that you would have it in abundance. So, okay, now that we are ambassadors with Christ, verse 20, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's place, be reconciled to God. Here's the verse we're getting to, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For he has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, why? That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. In other words, what Christ did on the cross he did it for you, he did it for me, and he did it for the worst person that you could possibly think of. You know, this ISIS, ISIS trying to pop their head back up. You know, we come against that in the name of Jesus. But he did it for, the, for, for the, all these uh, ISIS people that are cutting people's, uh, that are hurting people. I got children in the auditorium, <laughs> praise the Lord. I think one of the worst things about missing heaven and going to hell would be realizing that you didn't actually have to go there, that God already made you right with him no matter what you did. You know, you cannot clean yourself up clean enough, pure enough, holy enough on your own to come to God. I don't care if like you do everything right. Uh, the Bible actually says if you do everything right, yet you offend in one part, you miss one little part, you're guilty of the whole law. So we should just all give up. No, this is the whole point. You come the way you are and Jesus gives you a new life and in him you then have the ability. Why? Well, because your nature changes. So my daughter's here so I can pick on her. Can I pick on you? All right, so about, she's getting older now, but about three years ago, I think it was, we were down um, at the beach in Hilton Head and there they have a, a bunch of bike paths and the sand. I did not, I grew up, uh, northern Indiana, close to Lake Michigan. And so you go there, and the, the beach sand, I, when I first heard people say, I'm going to ride the bike on the beach, I thought, that sounds like torture. <laughs> what are you doing? But down there on Hilton Head, the sand is like hard, like pavement almost. And so you can just like ride up and down the beach. It's wonderful. So they have bikes you can rent, all this stuff. So we rent bikes. And so I have uh, four kids and one wife. <laughs> That's for the purpose of accounting. <laughs> and so we're going bike riding and uh so we're crossing roads because we weren't riding on the beach at this time we're walk riding these these pretty wide bike paths but then they have uh they cross streets and stuff and there's a lot of people there when we go we go in june normally and uh so my daughter kept getting in front and i'm supposed to lead 
Not because I'm the dad, I don't care I'll be in the front or the back, but because we're trying to protect our children. And so um, Evie would just like go zooming past me and she'd get in the front. And I'd say, Evie, you're not supposed to be in the front. And she'd say, oh, daddy, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. I said, that's okay, just, just go back there. What happened? Well, we go like about 60 seconds later, maybe 120 seconds, Evie just zooms around, she's back in the front again. <laughs> So my tone gets a little more serious. Evie, you're not supposed to be in the front. Get back there. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. So then we'd ride a little longer. What do you think happens? Evie goes in the front again. And so this time, I said, Evie, you cannot be in the front. Well, she kind of starts crying, and you feel like, wow, what kind of father am I? You know, we're on vacation, and, you know, I like Pastor Mark Hankins. He said, took the kids to... Disney World or whatever, and he's like, I'm paying for the whole trip. And he said, or he's talking about somebody else. He said, he said, I paid for this. You're going to have fun whether you like it or not. <laughs> you know how much this is costing? <laughs> so Evie's like tearing up, and I said, Evie. And I stopped her. I stopped the whole group, and I said, Evie, as long as you keep trying to do the right thing and say, okay, I'm not going to go in the front, I'm not going to go in the front, I'm not going to go in the front, you are going to keep messing up and you're going to feel like a failure, and it's going to be horrible, you actually have to change your heart. Because you're just trying to do what I'm telling you. But you have not changed your heart to honor your father and and to just listen. Do you know what happened? She changed her heart, and for like 15 minutes, she didn't go in front. But then that temptation came again. (laughs) But this time, when she went in the front, she's like, oh, yeah. And I know we haven't talked about it, but I know what she did then because she was successful. She looked back at her heart and made that adjustment, and then the whole rest of the time she was successful. Well, I tell that a lot because that I'm thankful to God that she did that. Because not that she obeyed. Yes, I'm thankful she obeyed, but the whole illustration. Because that's such a good life illustration because all of us can find ourselves in the unfortunate place of trying to, okay, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to do this. Okay, I got to do this. And all of a sudden, you're like in that game Twister, you know, where you're like all, all laid out like this and you feel like you're going to fall if one more spin happens in the wrong direction. You're going to fall because you're trying to accomplish it all in your own strength. But when we come to God, he affects our heart. Our heart is changed. So we become a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. Look, everything is brand new. So when you come to Christ, from the inside you are changed. And outwardly you still look the same. If you had a big nose, you still have a big nose. But on the inside something has changed. And then what happens? Well, all of these things that you were trying to, I'm trying to quit this, I'm trying to be more disciplined on this, I'm trying to do all this. When your nature changes, it becomes the easiest thing in the world not to go in the front when your parents say it's not danger, that it's dangerous. Do you understand what I'm saying? So not just that, take that and put it in your life. When something changes in your heart, then by nature you fall in line and instead of trying to remember, oh, what are the five things I'm supposed to do? It just comes naturally to you because you have a new nature. You're made brand new. So the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Well, how do you get to be righteous? You are born that way. 
Like you're born male or female. How do you get to be righteous? You are born righteous. When you are born again, you are reborn. Uh, Nicodemus, a ruler of the law, said to Jesus, uh, how can I see the kingdom of God? And he said, well, you must be born again or you must be born from above. Because Nicodemus was thinking being natural, he was thinking natural. So he said, like, uh, you know, what am I going to do? Go back into my mother's womb again and be born? He's like, no, 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 you're thinking natural terms. And so the disciples even, they said uh, later on in Acts, they said, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus said, well, that's not for you to know the times of the seasons that the Father has decided, but you're thinking natural, and I'm talking spiritual. My kingdom is not of this earth. Even Herod, you know, talking about the Christmas story, Herod made that mistake in thinking like, okay, uh, this, this Savior has been born, so I'm going to kill him because I don't want anybody to take my kingship. Well, that's not how Jesus was coming. He came, and his kingdom is not of this, <coughs> excuse me, earth. His kingdom is of heaven. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of peace. In other words, if you are the prince of Persia, well, that's a really bad example because that's a, anyhow. If you're the prince <laughs> of another country, oh, say Great Britain, you know, that means you're coming representing Great Britain. And so he is the prince of peace. He is the prince that brings peace. Matthew chapter 1, starting verse 18. The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit." Somebody said, like, I don't know. I don't know if an angel will appear to me. Well, if the Lord wills it, an angel could appear to you. But uh, Brother Higgins said, you know, I always notice whenever something supernatural like that happens, there's rough sled in the head. <laughs> so Joseph, Mary is saying, you know, hey, I got pregnant. But it wasn't from a man. It was from the Lord. Well, what are you if you're a normal man? <laughs> you're like, you liar. <laughs> yeah, right? So what? The angel appears to give you a message that'll keep you steady when all the other natural things seem contrary to what God said. But it gives you something solid to go by. But after he considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. 
See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her, but he did not have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. And then Luke chapter 2, verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made under Cyrenius, the governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own uh, city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were very afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, and you'll find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and laying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill towards men. So Jesus came, and when he came in uh, the form of a child, as a little child, as a little baby, he came not with a message of fear, but with a message of peace. Peace be unto you. It's one of the greatest things that people are looking for all around the world is peace. Real peace. Well, what is peace? Well, Dr. John Stackhouse gave, I think, one of the best definitions of peace, and he, he, he looked at the Hebrew word shalom, and he said that really what it means is, uh, we just shorten it for peace, but really what it means is to flourish, but not just to flourish. It means to flourish in every individual element, so that you're going to flourish as a person, that you flourish individually, that every animal flourishes, that every tree flourishes, uh, that each relationship with every person, with every animal, with every tree flourishes. That is called peace. That is shalom. It also means that every group flourishes. Well, what, what are groups? That means every family, every business, every school, and every nation would flourish. Shalom, peace. It means that relationships between those groups would flourish. That means nation to nation, family to family, business to business. Shalom, peace. It means that all of the relationships in the natural world and all of the natural world and all of the relation to God would flourish. Romans tells us that even creation itself groans for its own redemption because even the creation was subject to the curse when man fell. 
and that it groans for the redemption. So we see that to have peace and to bring peace that Christ comes with means that you flourish or come to the front or come to the very highest potential of any area of your life. So without peace with God, you couldn't possibly rise to the highest potential of living. Jesus said in John 10.10, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. One translation said, I have come that you might have real life. Authentic life. You know, the Holy Spirit, Jesus called him the spirit of truth, and one translation calls him the spirit of reality. He will take the things of Christ and make them real to you. Make them real in your life. So that you're, instead of uh, wondering, like, does God even care, that you wake up, And when you interact in life, you start to see God everywhere. Isaiah 26.3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. What does that mean? Well, when I was studying this a couple months ago, that literally says in Hebrew, you will keep him in shalom, shalom, or peace, peace, or what? Highest, flourishing to the highest potential, that to the highest potential. You'll keep him in shalom, shalom, whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. In other words, put your trust in God. Jesus said in Mark 11, 22, have faith in God or trust in God or trust in the faithfulness of God. In other words, we talked about before, like you can't actually produce a righteousness on your own that you do stuff right on your own. Uh, We're wholly dependent on the life of Christ to set us right with God and to set us free from the power of the enemy. Set us free from the power of addiction. Set us free from the power of sickness. Set us free from the power of poverty. That Jesus Christ himself has set us free. Well, how did that happen? Let's go to Romans chapter 5. I'll go back to the CSB, KJ. Sorry, I, went to, I did a King James on that one there. <laughs> Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin... In this way, death spread to all people because all sinned. In fact, sin was in the world before the law, but sin is not charged to a person's account when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who did not sin in the likeness of Adam's transgression. He's a type of the coming one. But the gift is not like the trespass or the sin. For if by one man's trespass or sin the many died, how much more have the grace of God and the gift which comes through the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflowed to the many? In other words, if you think that the mess up of Adam was bad and affected a whole lot, Well, you ain't seen nothing until you see the grace of God in Jesus Christ. Because through one man's obedience, true life 
Everlasting life came to all. And the gift is the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, of the grace in the one man, Jesus Christ, overflowed to many. And the gift is not like the one man's sin because from one sin came the judgment resulting in condemnation, but from many trespasses came the gift resulting in justification or being made right with God, righteousness. Since by one man's trespass, death reigned through the one man, how much more will those who receive the I love how uh, this translation says it. Who receive the overflow of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. So then, as through the one trespass or mistake, sin, there is condemnation for everyone, so also through one righteous act, there is justification leading to life for everyone. Thank God. For just as through one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so also through the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. The law came along to multiply the trespass, but where sin multiplied, grace multiplied even more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness, resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So it doesn't matter what sin, what mistake, what challenge, what failure, much more did the grace of God, the free gift of life through Jesus Christ, multiplied towards you towards me, towards your situation, towards those that don't even know and don't even realize. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have also obtained access through him by the faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And then Romans 10, 15. And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it's written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good news. Stand with me if you would. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here this morning and um, you don't even know why you're here, you know that you're not here by mistake. Uh, It's not a mistake that you're here. It's not a mistake that you came. But really, uh, your steps have been ordered of the Lord. You're in the right place at the right time. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I have three things I would like to invite you to consider. First of all, I'd like to invite you to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and as your Lord. Is your heart right? Would you like to have a new heart? Do you realize in a flash your heart can change? In an instant of time, out of darkness into light out of fear 
into trust in God in a moment, in an instant of time. If you're willing to accept the diagnosis of the heavenly physician of God concerning your heart, that you are in need of a Savior, that you're in need of real life, real hope, and a real purpose. If you're willing to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, willing to accept that He died on the cross for you to remove your sins from you, if you're willing to acknowledge Him as your Lord and as your Savior, He'll give you a new heart. You'll go back to your job, you work in an office, construction field, in a shop, and home, back to your responsibilities, but you go back with a new life on the inside of you. You go back changed forever. If you'd like to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you'd like to receive him, the word of God says, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to be called the children of God. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you'd like to receive Jesus Christ this morning and have his new life come inside of you, I'd like you to slip up your hand. We want to pray with you. We want to pray for you. Secondly, if you're here this morning and you were walking with the Lord, but you let distractions and other things come in and you'd like to rededicate your life, you'd like to come back like the prodigal son who went about and just did his own thing, I'd like to invite you to come back into the Father's house, that you come back because he loves you and he's waiting for you. And thirdly, if you're here this morning and you've never been filled with the Spirit. There is an experience after salvation called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be a witness. If you'd like to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit this morning, slip up your hand. I'd love to pray with you and for you. As we stay in an attitude of worship, let's all uh, join Dave as we sing this song. If you'd like to come, I just invite you to come. For all the world to see, your name is all they need. Your name is all we need. Eternal King, you reign. Glory of your name.
like prayer for anything else feel free to come up otherwise when this song is over we'll close out he's the way the truth the life the only way to god is in the name of jesus all we need let's sing that one more time isn't the name isn't the name of jesus all we need Jesus, all we need. He's the way, the truth, the life, the only way to God. Isn't the name of Jesus all we need? Amen. The name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for the name. We glorify you. We magnify you. You are good in your mercy. Your mercies are new every morning. Your mercy endures forever. Father, I just pray over each and every person that's here and that's listening. Father, that during this Christmas season, these holidays, Father, we thank you for safety, preservation, and soundness, completeness. And I speak shalom, shalom to every relationship, to every individual, to every situation, on every job. Father, we thank you that those that fear you and put our trust in you, that no accident will come our way, no evil will be allowed to enter in. We thank you for freedom that we have in Christ. We thank you for new life and true love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.